Well, good morning, everyone. Wow, you're all awake. Must be the good weather outside. Kind of heard a little bit of feedback. I'll move that back a bit. So I am doing something a little different this morning. I finished Jonah last time I was up here. Um, and since then, uh, David has asked me to help him finish the book of 1 John over the summer. So I am very excited uh, to join in with Dave. Um, we're going to start in chapter 3, verse 24, and go into chapter 4, verse 6. If you have your Bibles there, you can go ahead and open up to that. But before we get started, um, I'm sure you know yourself that sometimes there are things that sound too good to be true. You know, like when you pick up the phone and you hear that dreadful, you've won a cruise. <laughs> yes, yes. So those of you that laugh at least have gotten that horrible call where you're like, no, I have not won a cruise. I, why are you wasting my time? There's, there's always a catch to some of the things in, in this world. You know, sometimes there's email scams. You know, a prince in Nigeria has been dethroned and needs so many thousands of dollars from you in order to get back um, on the throne. Or someone calls you and they say there's a virus on your computer that only they can fix. Or even that the CRA is out for your arrest and there's a warrant out for your arrest. These are you know, common things that most of us have probably gotten a call from. And there are things that we need to be aware of in this world. And this morning I'm going to be talking a little bit about truth. Now, there's one time I got a call from such a person claiming to be from, uh, not, not CRA, from that my computer had a virus. Um, so, you know, as the conversation went on, I was listening to the guy, listening to him, and then he said that he needed to do something in order to fix my PC. And at the time, I was using my wife Sabrina's Mac. So I said, I don't have a PC, I have a Mac. And um, he seemed a bit flustered and caught off guard by this. And then he started to claim that, he, okay, no, he's, he's from Microsoft, but he can, you know, patch me through to Apple and they can take care of the problem. And I told him, I said, I highly doubt that Microsoft has a connection with their highest competitor to put me through to their customer service. And why would you be the one calling me about a virus? Um, so I hung up on him and that was that. But as Christians, we need to be aware of what, is out there. We need to be aware of what is being told to us, what is being sold to us, and what we're exposing ourselves and others to. And a big theme in 1 John is that John is constantly telling his audience what the truth is. He's constantly reaffirming that they are saved, and this is how you know you can be saved. And he's constantly telling them of this truth and reminding them that the Spirit in them, the Holy Spirit, is the Spirit of truth. So over the last few chapters, as I said, he's, he's been affirming the salvation in him, and now he comes to the end of verse chapter, th of chapter 3, and he says, you know, whoever keeps his commandments abides in God, and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit who has given us. So this is how he ends chapter 3, and that's a bit of a hinge there to where he starts to go into his next thought about testing the spirits. So John has just broken down to us, you know, that you, you are affirmed in God because of the Spirit in you, but not only that, that this Spirit can also attest to your heart and inform you about other spirits that are at work in this world. You see, he, he's saying that there must be fruit in the believer's life and that there's a test to be had. So let's, let's read the rest of that there from verse, uh, chapter 4. Sorry, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false spirits, whether they are from God, sorry, 
But test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. But this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come into the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world. And the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever, listens to, whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. There's no trouble these days to come across things on social media from pastors. Popular sayings, popular clips from sermons being posted all over. You know, these great thoughts that you get behind. You're like, yeah, that, that's, that's a great thought. I'm going to share that. I'm going to let my friends know about that. But are you sure what you're sharing is actually true? Are you sure that what you're clicking on and what you're sending to you know, hundreds of others is actually truth and it's not just a feel-good statement or that you know, what if there are small lies or inconsistencies weaved throughout the statement? How can you tell? How do you know if what you're sharing or what you're being exposed to is true? Are we sharing truth or are we sharing lies? It's something that we need to be aware of, and this is kind of something that John is dealing with here on a much larger scale. You see, John was telling his audience, again, to put the spirits to the test. He didn't want them listening to just anyone, no matter how great they seemed, no matter how great of a speaker they were, no matter the size of the audience behind them. He wanted them to be able to discern and to know true teaching from false teaching. We would all agree that we need to be careful about what we expose ourselves to, right? Yeah. I, got, I got a couple of notes. <laughs> Thank you, Matt. So we would all agree that we do need to be careful about what we expose ourselves to, correct? Yeah. All right. So we, we need to be mindful. We need to know, I mean, that there is truth and that there is falsehood. There, are, there is lies and no deceitfulness out there. And sometimes things sound like a really good idea. Sometimes People give you like a different twist. This is just a different view. Have you considered this point of view? It doesn't mean that we should give it our attention. It doesn't mean it's always a good idea. It doesn't mean that a different view is necessarily the right view. See, not all ideas are biblical or from God. And this is why John is addressing this here. He's constantly affirming the salvation of his audience, saying, "You, this is how you know you're saved. This is how you know you're saved. This is how you know you are in God. And then he, at the end of this passage, he says that, you know, you have the spirit of truth, which is the Holy Spirit inside of us, and the spirit of error, which is in the world. There is truth for us to know. And that there is falsehood out there, that not everyone who's preaching in the name of Jesus, not everyone who is even doing signs or miracles is of God. He goes on to describe how the Holy Spirit is active in someone's life and how you can use this to test them, to see if they are of God or not, and if they are preaching the same Jesus that you are preaching. And it's thought that John's audience was prone to giving an ear to anyone who was a great speaker, and especially people who could have been performing miracles, whether it be prophecy or speaking in tongues or working some sort of miracles, healing, whatever it was, 
they were prone to just giving them an ear because they were working signs. They were great speakers. They had people following them. They must be from God. But I want to remind you this morning that those things may not be, genu- may not be genuine and not everything supernatural is from God. Not everything supernatural is from God. See, in Matthew 7, Jesus himself warned and said, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Wolves who are dressed like sheep. And when we see this in so many cartoons and so many books and sayings, you know, it's, it's just what Jesus is saying. These people are pretending to be innocent, but they are like wolves. They're out to get you. They want to lead believers astray. And Jesus knew this. He knew that they would try and twist scripture. They would try and twist his words for their own meaning, their own purposes, for their own goals. And these people, they seem innocent. They might seem very approachable, very down to earth, very genuine people. But they are wolves in sheep's clothing. So if there are people like this, people who appear like sheep, who appear you know, to be in you know, the flock, in the congregation, in the church, if there are people who appear to be Christians but are, are not, how do we know what's true or not? If this is the case, how do we know that we're listening to someone who is from God or of God? Well, John gives us a couple of tests for this, and we see it the first in a confession in verses 1 to 3 of chapter 4. So it says, Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. So every spirit that confesses, yes, Jesus Christ came in the flesh, that's from God. It's pretty straightforward. Anyone who claims this, you, you would say would be a Christian. So our first test and our first point this morning is to test their doctrine. Or in other words, to test what they're teaching. See, what was being taught is thought that it was being taught that there was a Christ spirit that came upon Jesus that was not born in the flesh. We believe that Jesus was the Son of God, born in the flesh, fully human and fully God. The idea that was likely being taught here was that, no, Jesus was a man who the Holy Spirit came upon, the Christ Spirit came upon at his baptism throughout his ministry and left at his crucifixion. That's what was being taught here. And this is what he's fighting against. See, to come against that is to say that Jesus is some type of Superman, which he he wasn't. He was a man who was fully God. He wasn't just this indwelt by some sort of spirit that made him all-powerful, that made him all-knowing. No, he was fully God and fully human. He felt the emotions we felt. He was betrayed. He felt pain. He, he had friends abandon him. He felt all of that. He, he knows all of that. He wasn't just some superman. And this is the heresy that was being taught here. And a heresy, we need to get this straight. A heresy is a teaching that puts your soul at stake. So there's something very serious here. This is not something that we can just brush off and say, oh, no, you can believe that. That's okay. No. Okay, because any belief outside of belief in the biblical Jesus, the one that is presented in the New Testament, does not give you a saving faith. I'm going to say that again. Any belief outside of a Jesus, outside of the one presented in your Bible, it does not give you a saving faith. Jesus wasn't just bitten by divine spider and given superpowers. He was fully human and fully God. And this is what John was fighting against here. He said, 
know, this is a test for you guys to be able to do it. Because see, anyone teaching this, they wouldn't have to be, be able to confess that Jesus Christ came in the flesh. They would likely be able to say, yeah, I believe Jesus was in the flesh. They would believe Jesus was a real person. But they would have to confess that Jesus Christ himself came in the flesh, which is key here. And even today, we have no shortage of false teachings. We have prosperity gospel teachers who say that God wants you to have your best now and not to suffer ever in life. You can have whatever you want. The goal is to be happy. We have progressive Christians who want to speak truth to power and have find a feel-good meanings written behind all these stories in this, in this book we call the Bible. And we have people who say that Jesus broke the law for you even though Jesus himself said that he came to fulfill it and not abolish it. These are all false. As believers, we cannot afford to let our guard down. And this is what John is doing here. He's saying you need to be able to discern. Someone needs to confess that Jesus Christ came in the flesh here. And this is only one test that we can offer. John's not saying this is the only test and if someone does this, then they pass. No. the, The idea here is that you need to be discerning. You need to be able to ask questions. So, but what happens if someone confesses Jesus who you suspect may not be genuine? Well, what do you do with that? Well, the idea, again, is like, what is a confession? Well, what does it mean to confess Jesus? We would say to be saved, you, you, you confess Jesus as Lord and Savior, but you also turn to him and repent of your sins. So confession of Jesus is acknowledging who he is, what that means for you, turning from your sin and turning to him. That's that confession. It's not just saying it with empty words. You could be sat here this morning and hearing what I'm saying, but you're not actually, you might not actually be listening to what I'm saying. It's the same thing. We need a genuine confession from someone. Test what they're teaching. Test their doctrine. See, John Piper says, In other words, the Holy Spirit testifies to the reality of God in your life by causing you to own up to the truth about Jesus Christ. So when you give a genuine confession of Jesus Christ, we can know that you are of God, you have the Holy Spirit. It's a genuine confession. It's not just saying idly, yeah, I believe Jesus is God. It's not that. So we know that we can test the spirits. We know that we can test gifts. We can test teaching. And not everything supernatural, again, is divine. It doesn't mean it's from God. Not every gifted teacher is sent from God, and not everything should be trusted. Even one of my last sermons, I said to you, you, should, you might not want to take my word for this. Let's go to the scripture and see if what I'm saying is true. And you should do that. Test it against scripture. Test their doctrine against what the Bible says. Not necessarily what you think, but what does the Bible say about that? You see, there's no person here in this room that has authority over Scripture. We believe that Scripture is the ultimate authority. We can have no differing views on certain subjects of you know, how this is translated, how that you know, says this and it says that, but there are key issues that we need to be true on. And the Scripture has authority over those. It has authority over my life. I can't go in with my emotions and say, no, I want it to say this. If Scripture says one thing, then it has to be true if I believe it's God's Word. 
So let's say someone claims that they believe Jesus. Okay, you're, sus- you're, suspect- you're, sus- you're suspicious of them. What now? Well, a follow-up question wouldn't be out of place. Do they believe in the same Jesus you believe in? Are they preaching the true Jesus? One commentator says this, if a person claims to believe in Jesus, it is proper for us to ask, is your Jesus the real Jesus? For it is all too easy for us to make a picture of Jesus which is congenial to our taste but leaves out vital aspects of the New Testament presentation of him. We must believe in the true Jesus and Jesus that is presented in the Bible. I really should have brought a Bible up here because I just wanted to hold it up in front of you. But we need to believe in the Jesus that Scripture has in front of us. Not what professors might say he was like. Not what, you know, popular teachers might say, but what does the Bible say about Jesus? Who, who does the Bible say Jesus is? That's what's key here. And we need to measure any teaching we come across, whether it be from a teacher, a preacher, a prophet, someone who has amazing gifts, someone on podcasts or TV shows, whatever it may be, they have to be measured against Scripture. Even what I'm saying now, you should be measuring against Scripture. Am I talking about this right you might have noticed that you know, this great word, Antichrist, has come up again in John's Gospel. And sometimes we kind of get a little up in arms about this, but let, let me tell you right now that this is not about the Antichrist that we like to look at for the end times. That's not what this is about. What John is talking about is, is spirits behind people's actions, the motives they have, and that these teachings are anti-Christ. They're opposite of Jesus and his teachings. They are not from God. They are working opposite of what God is doing, of his purposes. So we don't need to kind of get up in arms the fact that, you know, there's Antichrist here in our scripture, or no end times. No, this is about something that is opposite of Christ. It's a direct rebellion of what God is doing, something that's completely opposite of what God wants to do. And the second test for us, the second test is found in verses 5 to 6. And it says this, they are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So we need to be able to test doctrine, test what people are teaching, but we should also teach, sorry, test their character. So test their doctrine test their character. Because you see, right doctrine leads to godly character. If we have our doctrine right, if our, our teaching is right, if we're teaching what Scripture is actually saying and we're following it, then that means that we are going to have a godly character, a Christ-like character. So test the character of these teachers, these preachers, these prophets, people working miracles. Test their character as well. And John makes it pretty black and white here. It's pretty in-your-face kind of thing. If someone listens to us, they're from God. If someone doesn't listen to us, well, they're from the world. And sometimes that can make us feel, uh, I don't know about that. That's pretty, that's pretty black and white. That line is drawn there. But he's telling the truth. And what he's saying is oh, they need to listen to us, the, te- the, the teaching of the apostles the gospel the church has been preaching for years, the gospel that we're preaching now is that that is what has to be listened to. 
And if they're preaching anything outside of that, they are not of you. They are of the world. There is that distinction. There is that bleak line drawn in the sand that either you are in Christ or you are not in Christ. You are in the world. There is no weird in-between that you can find yourself in. There isn't. Even the apostle Paul agrees in Galatians 1, 8, and 9 where he says, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. And to be accursed is to be set apart, not how you want to be set apart. You're not set apart of Christ, you're set apart for judgment. For judgment from God, you have changed his gospel. Paul repeats himself twice here. And he's extremely serious. This is an extremely serious point here. We need to take note. We don't need to say, oh, no, that, that seems important. No, this is important. Paul's repeating himself. And he's saying, you are a curse. If you change the gospel message that we have given you, if I change it, or even if an angel changes it, they are accursed. This is not something we can just turn our, our, turn our backs to or turn our ears away from. We need to know what is true and what is false, and some of that comes through character. So there's people that you see on the internet. There's people that you see on you know, their books, you see podcasts, whatever it may be. There's so many ways you can come across these teachings that aren't true. Test their character. If you come across someone even in your daily life, who you're not sure is a Christian, test what they're teaching, but also teach, test their character. And test yourself as well. How do you act and how do they act when there's no one around? How are you acting? How are they acting when there's people to impress? When there's something you know, at stake and when there's not something at stake? How are you acting around people who are wealthy and influential? And how are, you not act, or how are you acting around people who are poor and destitute and broken? Because godly character will show itself. And you can very quickly spot someone who is not genuine. Especially if what they're claiming to be teaching is true, but yet their character doesn't add up. See, I mentioned earlier, just as someone could be sit, sat here and listening but not really, you know, getting what I'm saying. It happens with teaching. See, that's what John is saying, is that they need to listen to the gospel that we're preaching. Not just hear it, not just hear the words, but they need to listen to it and follow it, which is where we get that test their character from. You need to actually listen to the words that are being preached. You need to listen to the scriptures, what they're saying. I can talk to my son Isaac, and yesterday was a very interesting day. I said no a lot. There were a lot of, yeah, it was very frustrating. He he tested me yesterday. But there are times that I can say to him, don't pull your sister's hair. And he'll hear the words, and he'll listen, but chances are he actually won't listen, and he'll, he'll pull her hair. And we're working on it before she comes bald like me. We really are, because he likes to pull her hair a lot. But we need to listen, and if someone is preaching what they claim to be the truth, then they should be having a godly character that follows the words in the Bible. It means that they're being discipled by it. 
transformed, renewed by the Holy Spirit that is inside of us. Back in 1 John chapter 2, verse 3 to 4, he said, And by this we know that we have come to him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. It seems pretty familiar. If someone is preaching or claiming they have the truth, but they are not living according to the truth, they're a liar. They're false teachers. They're false prophets. They're not telling you what's true. It's not a person you should be listening to. See, these proofs work to expose, like we said, the wolves in sheep's clothing. And by the way, even Jesus affirms this in the rest of what I gave you in Matthew chapter 7. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Jesus knew there would be false teachers coming. He knew there would be false teachings out there for us to be tripped up in, to you know, fall prey to. He knew that. He was giving us warnings. And John is just repeating that. That there are wolves, they have already gone out from among you. And you need to be able to test what they're saying. Test their doctrine and test their character. Godly character is brought about by the Holy Spirit. Not what we do, but what God does inside of us. The spirit of truth is inside of us and it produces fruit inside of us. See, truth is something that we can grasp. Despite what society may want to say is that truth is relative, what true is for you is not true for me, and you can go on and on. Saying that truth you know, cannot be grasped is a true statement in and of itself. Because then you're trying to state something true about truth that's not true, and <laughs> you go on. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. So there has to be truth. There has to be truth for us to grab and to be able to, and it has to be accessible to us. And that truth is living inside of us as Christians. And it testifies to us about the things of God. And it makes us aware of who God is and what he's doing in and through us. And whoever does not pass these tests, we shouldn't be giving an ear to. We shouldn't be giving our time to. Either you are in Jesus or in the world. And that's it. That's the only two places that John gives us. If you apply these tests, you might be a little disappointed sometimes about the results. If you're testing, if you have a favorite podcaster or maybe a favorite teacher or preacher you like to listen to and you like to watch their sermons online and you apply these tests, what if they fall short? What then? And I'll answer that question in a bit, but I want you to think about it. What do you do with that then? If a favorite teacher or preacher you have doesn't pass these tests, it doesn't pass what Scripture says, not that we're the authority, but it doesn't pass what Scripture says, you measure them against Scripture, what do you do with it then? So are we saved then by rules? 
You know, if we have to follow God's commands and that's how we know we're saved, does that mean that everyone who lives a godly life is saved? You know, do we do it through our own works? Not at all. That's not the case here at all. And John is saying that it's because of the Holy Spirit in you. It's because you have the Holy Spirit that you follow his commands, that you are in God. He's not saying that you have to keep his commands and then you are in God. No, he's saying you are in God and then you will keep his commands. It's that renewing of the Holy Spirit, the regeneration of our soul that was once dead and is now made alive through him. That we turn from our sin, we turn to him, we want to live according to his ways, according to his word. We need to be able to check ourselves as well as others. Where is your faith placed? Is it placed in a specific preacher or podcaster or TV show or whatever it is? If they fall, would that shipwreck your faith? Would you know, would you, would you know where to turn? Do you know what you believe? Do you know how we're saved? Do you believe in God? If you believe in God, good. James says even demons believe in God and tremble. Or do you truly believe in Jesus Christ who came in the flesh and bore your penalty on the cross? Is that what you believe in? Elisa Childer, she's an apologist and she has this excellent book out. It's called Another Gospel. And it's her story of experience with being in a church that was a progressive Christian church. How she came to know the truths of genuine Christianity versus false Christianity, which is why it's called another gospel. And in this book, she, she's struggling with a number of things as pastors teaching her. So she calls him up one day and she says, do you believe that the word of God, that the Bible is inspired? Now by inspired, she means that the writers of the Bible, the Old Testament and the New Testament, were inspired by the Holy Spirit and what they wrote is infallible and without error, without contradiction. We believe it to be the genuine, authentic word of God, which is why it is authoritative over our life. So this is what she's asking him, and he knows that this is what she's asking him. Do you believe this about the Bible? Is it inspired by God? Were the writers inspired by God? And he says, yes, I believe the Bible is inspired. The next class she goes to, it comes out that, that he says, no, I don't believe the Bible is inspired. So she calls him out, and she said, you told me on the phone that you thought the Bible was inspired. And he takes some time to think, and then he says this, I believe the Bible is inspired, but what I mean by inspired is the same way I mean that an artist is inspired to create a work of art, or a novelist is inspired to, to write a novel. See, he was using a different idea of the term. He was interpreting it differently. Although he knew how she meant it, he interpreted it differently and said, yes, I can say the word of God is inspired, but he means a different thing by it than what we do. See, we need to know what people believe. We need to know what we believe. We need to know truth, and truth can be known. Don't be afraid to test what you hear. Don't think you're being too critical of someone. Test what you hear. Test what's being preached to you, what's being taught to you, and measure it against Scripture. Measure their doctrine, measure their teaching, measure their character about what the Word of God says and see if it measures up. 
Now things may be, you may look around sometimes and think things are bleak. You may be able to spot false teachings. You may be able to spot the false preachers, the prosperity gospel, the you know, progressive Christians, and whatever it may be. You may be very well educated in heresy. You may be able to spot it right away. And if you do, things might look bleak at times. You know, these churches, they have thousands of people gathering. They have hundreds of people following them, if not thousands, on Instagram and Twitter. And their quotes are being shared all over the, all over the world. The videos have millions of views. And if what they're teaching is false, that might seem bleak sometimes. Why are so many people following this false teaching? If this is not true, why are they seem to be winning and we're losing? Because we can only get 100 or so on a Sunday. That seems, it seems like the odds are stacked against us. Except, except for verse 4 here. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Listen, you can test doctrine. You can test character. You can test every person in this world. But regardless of the outcome, know that God comes out on top every single time. Okay, so the he who is in you, the Holy Spirit who is in you, is greater than he, Satan, who is in the world. It says Satan is great, yes, but the Holy Spirit who is in you, God indwelling in you, is greater. And not only is he greater, he has overcome the one who is in the world. We don't need to fear false teaching. We don't need to be afraid that we're going to lose out to these churches who have thousands of people gathering and hearing false teaching because God has over, already overcome all of it. He's already defeated all of it. John's telling his readers here not to be worried about that. He says, basically, because you're here, because you're listening to me, it shows that you're following the true path. You're listening to true teaching, right teaching. And listen, you might be here and you might have shared things you're thinking maybe and you're thinking, I've shared some things I wasn't, I wasn't sure of. Maybe I shared some things that I shouldn't have. And maybe things have been exposed that you believe that aren't necessarily true or what scripture says. Listen, we can get it wrong. We can be gullible. We're flawed human beings, but trust in what Bible says. Trust in what God's word says and trust in what the Holy Spirit is telling you who indwells in you. That is the spirit of truth. Test what's being taught. Test character, but know that God has overcome it all. We are saved because of one who is in us, not because of what we've done. Not because of what you've shared on Facebook or what you've liked on Twitter or Instagram, but because of the one you have placed your faith in. We need to be able to resist false teaching. And listen, when bankers are being trained, they're not given fake currency. They're not given counterfeit bills. They're given the genuine money time and time and time and time again so that they know the feel of, the, of a real dollar bill or $5 bill for us or $10 bill. 
They know how it feels. They know how it falls. They know everything about it so that when a fake, when a counterfeit bill comes across their hands, something feels off. They're not trained in every type of mechanic that they can use to counterfeit dollar bills. They're not not trained in counterfeit bills. They're trained in the genuine artifact. And what John is doing here, he's showing you genuine Christianity. So you need to spend time in your Bibles. You need to spend time with fellow believers. You need to be trusting in the Holy Spirit inside of you. You, you will, unless you dedicate your life to it, you will probably never know every single false teaching out there. You're better off knowing the genuine Jesus so that when you come across something that's sus- suspicious, you notice it. Your alarm bells start going off. Something is not right here. I worked as a cashier for a number of times in Sobeys, a number of years, sorry. And we weren't trained to spot counterfeit bills. I worked up in our cash office, did a number of deposits. We weren't trained to spot counterfeits, but we handled a lot of money. And there was one day, I don't know the outcome of it because I gave it to my supervisor, but there's a, a $10 bill that came across my hand and it felt really off. It felt really strange. And then the customer, he almost started to panic because he thought we were going to do something with him. But we just took the bill, we put it in the office, and I think my supervisors probably reported it or something later. Um, but I can tell you that something fell off in that dollar bill because I had felt so many genuine ones. And when you spend enough time with the true Jesus, with the Bible, with what God's word says, you will be able to spot false teaching. Listen, people fall for telephone scams all the time. People fall for the CRA scams, these computer virus scams. So even when we make a mistake, know that God has overcome it. That God has overcome the false teaching in this world. But regardless, it doesn't mean that we are able to be ignorant because we're Christians or that we should be stupid of things. That we can be wise, we can be discerning. Let me tell you something. Nadia Bowles Weber says this God's grace is not defined as God being forgiving to us even though we sin. God's grace is when He is a source of wholeness, which makes up for my failings. My failings hurt me and others and even the planet. And God's grace to me is that my brokenness is not the final word. What do you think of that? Because it's not true. What I just read out to you is not true. And I say that this morning because it can be so easy to be caught up in these teachings that aren't true. See, what she's describing, one, she's describing mercy. Mercy is not getting what we do deserve. Forgiveness is not getting what we do deserve. Grace is is getting what we don't deserve. I've spoken on this in Jonah. Mercy is getting what we, don't, what we do deserve. Sorry, not getting what we do deserve. So we deserve punishment. God doesn't give it to us when we turn to Jesus. That's mercy. Grace is God forgiving us when we don't deserve it. Okay? But not only that, she's talking more about what God does and who God is as if God's grace is not a part of who he is and just something he does. 
See, God is gracious by nature. And she's talking more about, I mean, about being whole as if that's the key to everything. And her definition of wholeness, again, this is where we ask more questions. Her definition of wholeness is more of a humanistic one than a spiritual one of being made spiritually whole. So it can be very easy to agree with what she says there. And again, there's truth in this in what she's saying, is that your brokenness, your sin, does not get the final word. There's truth in that. She has that right. But there's a major flaw in what she's saying, and we need to be able to, to spot these things, to know what we're exposing ourselves and others to. And let me tell you this morning that God has overcome that, okay? Evil doesn't win. Man's definition of love doesn't win. God's love wins. And he has already won. Okay, the next sermon that Dave is going to preach from this is that God is love. And you hear about that. God wins. God's love wins. Not our idea of love, not our definition of love, but God's love. That's what wins. And he has overcome the world. We need to be able to spot what's in front of us. Spending time with the genuine thing, knowing who our Jesus is, knowing what our Bible says, what it teaches, but trusting that God has overcome it. That we make mistakes, yes, but that we go to him. We continually go to him. We turn to him and trust in him and what he's doing in this world. Truth isn't a mystical thing for us. It isn't some out there idea that's transcendent or anything that you can eventually obtain. No, truth is found in God. It's found in God's word. See, these scammers, they say things to make you panic. Okay, they say, there's a warrant out for your arrest, and it's made to not make you think. Because the minute you put them to the test, they fall apart. Okay, false teachers will do the same thing. They'll ask you, is your Bible trustworthy? Do you know about all the errors in the manuscripts? Do you know about this and that? But what they don't tell you is that most of the errors in manuscripts are just either small grammatical errors or spelling mistakes. And any scholar will tell you that all the errors in manuscripts, not one of them affects any major Christian doctrine. But they will use this to try and make you panic and try to make you think, is what I believe really true? But you can know that Jesus is true. You can know that the Holy Spirit in you is true. And that whatever you put to the test, that God has overcome it. The Holy Spirit in you will speak truth to you. So put it to the test. Test their teaching, test their character, but know that God comes out on top every single time. Let's pray. Father, I just want to thank you for this day. I want to thank you for the opportunity to be able to preach to my brothers and sisters here, Lord. And I want to thank you that we can put things to the test. I want to thank you that we can know what is true, that we can know that you are true, that we can know, oh God, that you are working in this world, you have overcome this world, and you are greater than this world. So Father, I pray that you help us to be wise, you help us to be testing of things, and that we would trust your word above all things. And as we go out today, oh God, may we rest in knowing that you have already won. 
that you are true, Jesus, that you are greater than anything else, no matter how bleak things may be, whether the greatest person in this world that's a, that we believe to be a Christian falls short, that some thing from their past rises to the surface of God, that our faith is not placed in them, but it is placed in you, O oh God, and you will not fail us. So Lord, may our faith be placed in you and you alone, and may we know that your word to be true and apply it to our lives, O oh God. I pray, O oh God, you will use us as witnesses as we go out here today, O oh God. I ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.